0: everyone is as stuffed as we are in today because it's post-Thanksgiving and we're heading to the festive season where we have many theater offerings in St. Louis and movies and just fun because it's the holidays and why not?
1: We'll talk to Joe Hanrahan and Rachel Tibbetts from Midnight Company's original Town. We'll talk to Thea Hoover about the Saint Louis Scavenger Hunt. And then around minute 22 we'll talk the Humans, around minute 35, we'll talk Get Back, around minute 46, House of Gucci, around minute 56, Power of the Dog, around 1 hour and 3 minutes. Come on, come on. Around 1 hour and 7 minutes, Bruised, and then around 1 hour and 10 minutes we'll talk Get Back again, and then The Rock and 1000. At-
0: did you have a nice Thanksgiving, Carl?
1: I did. I got a lot of things done. I saw a lot of people. I did guns and hoses, and now I have a house full of teenage girls so yay
0: <laughs> yes well we're uh you sound tired actually and you're off from the your morning show so
1: i'll be back on monday yes i got five days off in a row it's rare
0: that is very rare for you and uh, the blues are out of town
1: no they play on saturday they will they are in chicago today they will be here on saturday
0: all right, let's go blues. Well, we have a stuffed episode today because we have three guests, Dee Hoover, who lives on the hill and is Missouri proud. And uh her book, we're gonna get filled in on her book, St. Louis Scavenger Hunt, in a minute. But our first guests are Joe Hanrahan from the Midnight Company. And Rachel Tibbetts who works with the Midnight Company, but is also from SAIT. So, and that is so slightly askew theater ensemble. And I have known them since 2012 when I uh, was one of the founders of the St. Louis Theater Circle and started seeing their shows. And they always offer very fascinating, thought-provoking work. And this is uh, a partnership that started way before joe wrote this play during the pandemic but joe tell us about tinsel town which premieres on thursday december 2nd and will run for uh is it mid-december
2: the Uh, 18th 18th yes Mm -hmm. and you have sunday matinees this time we do uh december 5th and 12th at two o'clock we have two uh matinees which is which is n-
0: not your usual schedule. And then also it's at the ZAC, right? The dot ZAC? Yes, it is. Uh-huh. Which is a Kranzberg operation. So
2: right, right, right yeah. there. We're, we're one of the resident companies there and uh, several of our shows happen there.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. Well, the uh, Kranzberg uh, has this program this year called Art Safe. So they are uh, very secure uh, places that have been deemed aren't safe, like if yes. you're going go to go to the Midnight Company, you know that uh, you will have to uh, prove vaccination or a negative COVID test at, from security at the door, like before you get in. Yes, but that's just like at the Rep and at Stages St. Louis and at the Fox. I had to show a negative. I mean, I had to show my vax card. So that's yeah. what you're doing in professional theater these days.
2: Correct, yes. And masks are required for the audience and uh, everyone, uh, except uh, when the actors pop out.
0: So uh, tell us about how you came up with Tinseltown and its unusual format for you because it's three short
2: plays. Right. Well, you know, and and a touch on the backstory. Uh, I've, I've, I've said this often, but about three years ago, uh, Rachel and her partner in SATE, Ellie Schweddy, and I did two plays back to back. I directed the two of them in Cuddles for SATE, and then uh, Ellie directed Rachel and I in a, a show called Little Thing Big Thing for Midnight Company. And so we said, well, we have to do one where Ellie and I act and Rachel directs. And that took a couple of years. We looked at things and, you know, looked at schedules and things. but. During the pandemic, I said, I have no excuse. I got to write one. So I started with one and uh, the format of it and the place and everything turned into three. And um, uh, the subtitle of Tinseltown is Three Short Plays, 24 Hours in L.A. And it kind of happens over one day. And uh, the first show happens at it's called Late Lunch on Melrose. And it's a um, uh, kind of, you know, typical sleazy Hollywood agent trying to uh, uh, talk his uh, movie star client into the uh, new normal of what's happening. And then the second one is called uh, Just Off Sunset. Ellie plays a uh, 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 rock and roller song, singer-songwriter making a comeback. She's just at a gig on a, at a sunset club, and she's having trouble getting it together. She goes, goes out on an alley and encounters this old session musician, and they, they uh, compare their lives today and prior in the, in the music biz. And in uh, the third one, it's called, called um, "Shooting Santa Monica," and I play one of those uh, older um, European actors who they bring over to the U.S. to do character roles. And uh, Ellie's a young director on her first film, and we're trying to get the first shot in before lunch in a in a pretty bad science fiction movie. So that's uh, <laughs> that's the uh, that's the format and the, the plots of the show. And uh, you know, Ellie and I play three different characters, and Rachel. Directs three different plays. Wow.
0: Well, that's fun. Well, I've seen all of you uh, in uh, your your work by others, and I've seen Joe do uh, his own his own work, uh, especially at Fringe. Uh, that one you did on the Beatles, because we're going to talk about the Beatles, it was yeah, really yeah. fun. And yeah. and you always and the one about the restaurant uh-huh. that, yeah, yeah. at the theater crawl. That I love yeah. so much.
2: Yeah. That you, didn't you reprise that last year? I did. Well, like in, in August, uh, because they couldn't do a crawl because of the pandemic, they did what they called the theater showcase. And it was just a couple of nights and it was one spot and people came and saw, um, you know, groups doing short pieces. And we uh, we reprised uh, that that show, which was called, uh, what was that show called? I, <laughs> I wrote it, but I, I... I
0: know it's about a, 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 wait, a wait, you know, a wait staff.
2: And yeah, it's uh, about a, that was about a, a, a old cynical waiter and a young enthusiastic waitress actress and and in the, that short show, uh, he's he's trying to fire her because uh, she's getting into the uh, late night after party scene that a lot of restaurants are prey to, and he doesn't want to see her damaged by it. and so that that was what was happening in that little script.
0: Yeah. go down that go down that path. Well, I always like your voice because it's, it's a very refreshing voice and you also write for women. So Rachel, tell us about why Joe's words are fun to direct.
3: Oh, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I love LA. <laughs> um, I'm a, I'm a military kid. We actually were stationed in California two times and um, both times just not too far out of um, Los Angeles. So I spent a lot of kind of formative years there. I am a diehard Dodgers fan. Um, actually, I joke often that i um, I know, I know. I'm in state Bluish. I shouldn't <laughs> admit that, but that's, a,
0: that's okay. Yes. My sis, my sister, lives in L.A. and she is turned two. <laughs> yes. Deep bleeds so, Dodger blue now. So,
3: so yeah. Tommy Lasorda held me when I was a baby. So oh, you know, it's like uh, it's a, it's part of me. So um, when uh, Joe presented the idea, the, the you know the idea for um, Tenseltown I was really excited because I do love la so much and then you know of course just the the idea that we're getting to now complete this trifecta um you know that started with cuddles then little theme big thing and now um town but um the scripts are really creative and um it's uh what i love about working with joe as the playwright is you know in the room on the stage. So things are happening in the moment. And the three of us just have worked um, so much together that if there's an idea for something, no one is, no one hesitates. They're like, well, how about this? And then it's usually on stage the next time we're rehearsing the scene. So um, that's really funny. That's real fun. (laughs) And um, yeah, I, what I'm, What I really appreciate about this piece is that the women's characters are written very well. They're both three, um, uh, you know, women working in the entertainment industry, which is a tough industry for women. And I think that we get to see, you know, some of that and the realities of it. Um, But there's a lot of care that um, went into writing um, those characters, greatly appreciate that.
0: Well, that's fun, and they were both uh, uh, the cuddles. Joe got nominated for director. I do. I think. I believe. And then Rachel was nominated as the uh, very strange young sister that lives in the basement. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, and Rachel <laughs> was a... also nominated. weren't you nominated for a little thing, big thing too? Yes, you were for, as the uh, the nun on the run. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the and, uh, nun on the
0: run. He always has these very interesting characters that have more than one dimension to them, which is, I found fascinating. And then the Beatles one for Dee and Carl, who are Beatles fans, um, he wrote a story about like, what if they were still, uh, what if like they were still active and alive?
2: Yeah. That, that show is kind of a fantasy farm. It's called the Everest game. And it was about a, a, an old hippie who kind of got rubbed a lamp and a genie popped up. And what do you want? I want. He said, "I want to go back to '69 London," and he and they were just broken up. And he was just trying to like do one more album. And as his, as each of the Beatles kind of go, well, maybe things happen in a wonderful way in the world. Great things start happening. And, and the show ends with them kind of doing the opening opening concert at the uh, inauguration of uh, Disney World, North Korea. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's different well yeah Harry. Well, LA well uh Carl's been to LA multiple I times have. and I was just there a uh, couple weeks ago and so it's uh, and
1: who did you get to meet there Lynn
0: well um Go it ahead. was a pre- it was a press conference uh with uh Jane Campion, Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, and Cody Smith-McPhee.
1: Nice. Oh, I've but I didn't. those people.
0: Well, I didn't get to meet them. And actually, uh, none of our questions, because I was with my colleagues, Max Boise and Dan Buffa and Kevin Steinklis, none of us had our questions asked, by the way. And uh, we were not of the rarefied air to actually meet them. But I did sit in on a round table with Jane Campion.
2: I uh, just, uh, anticipating the movie coming up, I just went back and watched, uh, I hadn't seen her Top of the Lake series, uh, the TV series she did with uh, Elizabeth Moss is pretty good. I'll, I'll mention one thing about LA before, you know, the, uh, I just wrote something about it, uh, kind of a, a blog thing, just that, uh, why do a play about LA? I mean, we have so many issues in, to deal with, and so many plays deal with all of the problems we're dealing with, but I kind of said you know LA has always I believe from the time of movies in the 30s has always been the cultural and social arbiter of our society. They've told us how to live, how to make how to talk to people, how to make love. They, we learn from it. And movies aren't as big as they used to be because we don't because of theaters we don't go to, but with streaming now, I mean yesterday at Thanksgiving, I mean half the discussion is about what are you watching? Have you seen that? Have you seen that? And Hollywood continues all over the world, led by Disney, to tell us, instruct us how to live, what to do, how to laugh, how to sing.
0: Well, I just think the the first time I was in L.A., uh, I saw a palm tree, you know, from from a kid from Belleville, Illinois, your first experience looking at a palm tree and also seeing that Hollywood sign. I mean, it's just fascinating and mesmerizing and you're driving down Sunset Boulevard which you know you you put in your titles these familiar landmarks and it does feel like you know we were Mm -hmm. on Sunset Boulevard at the Netflix offices and so it's just so it's kind of in a way like cliche that's what you think
4: of LA but then it is that's what what LA
1: is is. LA is nothing but a whole bunch of cliches
4: (laughs) and false false everything, you know, to make it perfect. That's what, like the first time I walked by Grama's J- Chinese theater, a drug deal took place right next to me. I'm just like, wow. Okay. So this is not just the movies. This is like everyday life, you know, in
1: 2009.
0: <laughs> I know. I figured you with being a tour guide, you have been there multiple times.
1: Rachel, what were you going to say?
3: Oh I was just going to say um palm trees definitely make an appearance um oh, nice. in, in Tinseltown. Town one of the characters is uh, quite mesmerized by them and so, uh, and it's also kind of uh, one of the things that we do kind of in um, the pa- like the powers of threes. So there's a lot of repetition of things over um, each, uh, each of the three plays um, or you'll hear things at least three times. So we're um, really kind oh. of leaning into that this is our third project together. So the power of three.
4: <laughs> so Joe, right. I have a question as, an, as a writer. So, Joe, you're writing the screenplay, but it's the pandemic, so you're not like in a group. So then, does Rachel like like w- does she look at it with you and Ellie? Did you share that with them, or did you do that solo? And then well,
2: I, I really I didn't, didn't share it. it. I didn't share it until I had a first, a reasonable first draft. Okay. But but it has but but their contributions have come from there, and the the, the plays have have changed, you know, in, in some significant ways here and there due to contributions, suggestions from Ellie and Rachel about let's do this, let's do that. How about this? What about this? And as as Rachel said, I mean, when an idea pops up, nobody says no, even if you don't like it, we go, well, how can we make this work? You know, so I think it's, it's, it's collaborative. And and that's, that's where I didn't really want to, you know, share anything with them until it's like, here's something to share. So.
4: And then if another company more. wants to do them later, are you going to add those changes in and make that part of the? Oh product? yeah, yeah, that will be part of the final
2: script. I, I think one of the late additions we made. Not just you know, I'll just tell you now, but you know, hopefully, is that uh, an idea popped up kind of well in the rehearsal just a week or two ago, and we said, "Well, hey, this is Tinseltown," and the original you know uh, definition of the word is a Christmas decoration, and we're doing this in December. It's like, should we mention Christmas? <laughs> it's like those. <laughs> Those things have just popped up and become part of the play now. But I think if the, if the, when I finish the scripts, there'll be two different versions Christmas or any other time of the year.
1: <laughs> well, Christmas doesn't exist in LA, it exists only in Vancouver where Hallmark shoots all of their movies.
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, uh, Joe, you have been so prolific during this uh, pandemic because I've seen several of your shows. I think this is going to be the fourth one I've seen uh this year
2: yeah this is the sixth this is the sixth one i've done since june actually i've done almost one a month since june a couple things have popped up the fringe the showcase but because of cancellations and rescheduling from last year wound up with four shows scheduled this year and so you know i've kind of we've rolled through them so we're going to try to get through one more
0: yeah and they've been so different all of them different and then rachel you and Sate, this is very sad they were going to have a show top girls and uh their their leading a girl uh, was murdered in that spree uh a couple months ago and uh so that you've you've had quite the the uh, uh the year and then also you're raising your adorable daughter rose during the pandemic as well
3: so. yes she's actually i'm i hope she she's banging on the door <laughs> so i'm not sure <laughs> if you all um can hear her um yeah it's a um you know it's it's been a, a very challenging year and uh um i'm um happy to be um in a space where collaborating um with you know artists i have a you know a huge amount of respect for and um you know uh sate will be um back in 2022 and uh, we're making our final plans for that
2: and you know just to make uh, rachel's year a little more fun she did uh, ascend to the uh, position of artistic director of uh, prison performing arts during this year
0: yeah oh that's right well you do your work with prison performing arts is quite special because i've seen a couple of your your plays and uh that, that what you do which was started by the great agnes Wilcox, uh, what you do going into uh, prisons and working with uh, uh, you work with women primarily right, yeah. in the in the local prisons, and how art uh, just changes people's lives. It's really remarkable
3: oh thank you yeah we've um we've we, um, been able to um remain consistent in a lot of our programming since March 2020, which, um, uh, you know, I'm very happy about, you know, uh, we also work with young people in addition to um, the adults um, that we work with um, that are both um, in prison and then returning citizens. So, um, yeah, and some of the facilities have started to open back. Up in person, and of course, you know it's a whole new world um, with you know um, for everyone, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know um, making those adjustments about going back in person. But yeah, um, I'm I'm very honored that I've been um, named artistic director. I've been with the organization for 16 years. I um, many of those years um, with Agnes uh, um, as uh, the founding artistic director, and I'm always very thankful for to her, um, for everything that, um, I was able to learn from collaborating with her.
4: Were you able to zoom during the pandemic with the, with the incarcerated or no?
3: Um, all of our youth programs pretty much were able to transition to an online format because they had the technology capability and we were able actually to get some money from the cares act to purchase some technology to kind of um, support those efforts. It was harder in the, the prisons, um, cause they just did not have, um, the kind of technology required, right. you know, um, but I actually did just start in October an online, um, writing class at the women's prison in Vandalia. So that's been, um, you know, a really great development and, uh, you know, uh, We've been able to return in person to one of the men's prisons in Bowling Green, Missouri. So, um, yeah. If
1: people, if people want to support that, where where can they do?
3: Um, uh, uh, PrisonPerformingArts dot org is our website, newly designed too. Yes.
1: <laughs> prisonperformingarts.org dot org. Correct. And also, hey, let's not forget midnightcompany.com, <laughs> What you guys are doing. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. that's right and this comes up uh, this, this Thursday through yes, Sunday and uh, then also the next week and, and, and then we haven't really talked about Ellie because Ellie mm-hmm. is one of the actresses in it but she is as you all are multifaceted and she directed Joe in uh, a one man show earlier this year and uh, we have a take 10 with Ellie Schwetty about her and then we also have a we have if you go to poplifestl.com you will find a take 10 with joe a take 10 with rachel and a take 10 with ellie yeah. so if you want to find out more about their lives and their involvement in st louis theater there you go
1: well since we have the theater people here Lynn, do you want to talk about the on, the one and only movie that i watched this week which was the humans which is now it won best best play at the Tony. the, the last it's, time, and it's
0: pr- produced by
1: local Mike uh,
0: Isaacson and Jack uh, Lane, among other people that that uh, won the Tony for best play. Okay, no other new, people that
1: were pro- producing that as well, and so yes, it it's that locally group, produced.
0: The mm-hmm. Fox Associates, like Terry Snook and all those people, um, the humans just came out on Wednesday uh, in theaters and also streaming on Showcase. and shows, On Showtime. Showtime.
1: It, it's Showtime. weird. It's normally like it would be on one of these streaming services, but it's on Showtime.
0: Right. And then uh, DirecTV, if you are a customer of DirecTV, they have all the pr- premium channels this weekend, HBO Cinemax and Showtime.
1: And there it is. Stars, so all of them free.
0: Right. Well, this, okay, the play won in 2016. And Reed Bernie and Jane shell won um, or were nominated. I can't remember. One of them won, I think. Or uh, the maybe, woman did. The woman. Won. Okay. Jane show. And uh, she is the only person back from the Broadway cast in. She plays the, the mom. She plays the mom. Richard Jenkins is the dad. It's a family in a New York apartment that their daughter just moved in with her boyfriend, and they don't have hardly. Uh, they don't have anything in well, they their ju- really. They're in.
1: They in the process of moving in. They have nothing, and the moving truck is supposed to come the next day. And so there's because uh, it's Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, it's a ragtag assortment of uh, chairs and uh, they have uh, paper plates, plastic cups. It's gonna be one of those, like they're camping out type Thanksgivings. And so it's very deceptive because it's called The Humans and it's by Stephen Karam. And he directed and also adapted his play for the screen. And this is his first time uh, directing, but he also did the adaptation of The Seagull several years ago with, that had um, Sir Ronan and I think Helen Mirren, I can't remember. I remember seeing it. it but anyway, that's, this is his first time work. So Richard Jenkins is the dad. Jane Houdeschel is the mom. June Squibb is the uh, grandma of uh, that's Momo that is in a wheelchair and has dementia. And she requires 24 hour care. And the daughters are played by Amy Schumer and Beanie Feldstein. And Steven Yun Yoon
1: Yun yeah,
0: plays the boyfriend, uh, the living boyfriend of from, from Walking
1: Dead. He's from Walking Dead. And they they make fun of the Walking Dead in the play and the movie.
0: And he is uh, from Minari Oscar nominated yes. from Minari. So this is a killer cast. They're very good. And if you haven't ever seen Amy Schumer act dramatically, this is your opportunity because she's quite a good actress. I always think she is. And uh, it's very interesting play because it has an element of the supernatural. This was at the rep uh, when Steve Wolf was still there and the rep had a mixed response to it, the audience. It's they not a
1: fun play, and it's a lot of talky talky.
0: Well, that's a play, but uh, no, <laughs> you but
1: know. no, this is a this this is a this does not feel like a play. It, well,
0: no, the movie. What's interesting is, uh, you know, as a as a theater piece, it can only do so much about the four walls.
1: And this, but this it, is, it, it's not like Mary Poppins where you have a three story building that you're using as actually a set piece i'm sure on stage it is basically one room this is it is a it's a basement apartment in new york which has two or three levels you you never can tell because none of the lights work uh the lights keep going out and so it's very disorienting and like you like the bathrooms on what floor where are they how are they going to get Amy Schumer's got to take Momo down to where they're going to eat but there's the elevator is outside it's it's very disorienting the way that the movie goes.
0: Yeah, it's a pre-war uh building in Manhattan. So it's it's oh, you know old and has its uh, uh faults but they got it very reasonable considering Manhattan real estate but uh it is talky cuz it is adapted from a play. But I will say as a, you know, we talk about this all the time. Plays adapted to film often uh, have hard time translating just because of the, the situation. But this actually fits, I think, because it's more about the human drama. And it seems like this is just a typical Thanksgiving with a typical American family. They are neither the Griswolds nor the Ro- Norman Rockwell version. Uh, on the Saturday evening post cover so they fall somewhere in between they're all educated but there's a lot of issues
1: a lot of issues now a lot the play play was a one act and this is an hour and 45 so things have gotten adapted and stretched yes a a lot of besides all the talky there's a lot of silent moments where nothing happens
2: Right. Well, uh, did anybody see this at the rep? No, but one one, si- uh, one side one sideline on this, uh, Lynn. Just uh, I don't know if you mentioned the cast member Richard Jenkins. Yes. Uh, yes. Wonderful, wonderful actor. But I, you know, just a local thing. Dennis Brown, who was a colleague of yours, uh, retired now. created yes. With the Riverfront Times, I don't know if you knew he was. He and Jenkins grew up together. Oh, I and, didn't know that. And they're still really close friends. They he sees them, visits them two or three times a year.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it it is a killer cast, and Jane How to show, woo, you know, she's an esteemed theater actress, so it's it's good. But you know, it for for a holiday movie, this is
1: no Hallmark movie. No, no, no. no. Dia said she saw it at the rep.
4: Yes, so you know it. It was always interesting to me. I'm a big straight play person. I like the hard, hard drama. I like this, but I, I like that. I like that, that feeling that you're in the room with them. And I thought the rep did a very good job. I think, I think they're having the thrust stage makes a difference for me because it feels like it's closer and I'm, you know, experience it versus, you know, the proscenium at other places. I felt very much in the room with the family. And I thought they did a good job of that. I loved it, but but you know, I have friends who are season ticket holders that are like, oh, I, that was awful. That was awful. I go to the play to feel good or whatever, but I want, I want to see what everybody else's human experiences and the humans shares the real human experience. I mean, you know, I think all of us, you know you may have a great time with your family at the holidays but there's always this anxiety. There's always these things from that from since birth that you have. And I'm an only child and all four of my dad's siblings had only children except for one. They have two children who don't live here. So you still have all of that, even though I don't have the siblings. And there's a lot of pressure on me as the only child of the eldest. So I think, you know, I think that I, I just thought it hit it right on the head. So I'm going to watch yes. the movie.
1: Well, it, it, I can under, I can understand how a lot of people would not like this play or not like this movie. It, is, it makes people feel uncomfortable. There are a lot of uncomfortable silences, a lot of uncomfortable topics, and a lot of co- uncomfortable religious aspects about it. And then they dip their toe into the supernatural a little bit. I can understand why some people would say it's too much. And I would also understand how some people would say it's not enough. It's, okay. it's a lot of things.
0: Yeah, well, I think people at the rep, they have high expectations when you say Tony winner. Yeah. And uh, it's it's very deceptively simple, as many art pieces are. Yeah, but uh, It's also
1: very New York. I mean, we talked about L.A. for a long time. This is very New York. Anybody that has lived or spent time in New York, they know the issues that they're having with the apartment. Why would and Stephen Yun even says that. Why would I ask the super to change all the bulbs? No, no one does that. But every single light bulb goes out.
0: Right. Well, the parents have driven in from Scranton, PA. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, so there's all that. And then there's the weather about driving back. And there's all those little things that families think about all the time in holidays. And uh, the mom's on Weight Watchers, but she's not going to count points that day. And uh, Stephen Young as character comes in with the dessert tray and that. That is a brilliant scene, even though it seems like it's just a normal. What well, and dessert?
1: Beanie had just watch? said, Mom's eating her feelings <laughs> two <laughs> seconds before she gets all these pastries in front of her. Yeah. yeah, well,
0: yeah, but that's you know, that I had a talk with Steve Wolf after it because the reaction was so mixed after it at the rep. And the more I thought about it, the more it came to light. And then he and I, one time I said, I had said something and then he wanted to know what I thought about it. So in the, in the stairwell, we had this discussion about it and he was just like, this is a brilliant play. It's just that uh, I think you just have to give it breathing time. You have to think about it there's a lot of these movies this year where you have to think about them uh for instance where i'm going to talk about power of the dog and we all reacted one way after seeing it and then as we talked about it for hours and then talked to the creators for more hours we all came up with a different with a different thought so huh. it's kind of you have to marinate these things sometimes and i I don't know
4: that i agree with that lynn and i also want to make a comment as a a avid playgoer and movie watcher of lots of dramatic things what like you were saying carl but it's a lot of nothingness and a lot i think that's really hard to play i mean the actors have to be really good to play just a regular setting and not some big dramatic you know screaming and yelling or you know there's there is that too with the family and like to play that right because when you're doing it in real life but how do you play that and I think I think that is a very big tall order to ask of actors as you know when you're in ensemble and and when they pull it off it really comes off great and when they don't it's awful it's like a bad they have
0: to immediately have present that shared history yeah you know the shared history with the daughters and the and then the grandma and all that and they talk families when they get together always talk about previous customs and traditions especially adult children right you know like when they had the irish toast and mm-hmm. uh, they're talking about that but you all but but like uh joe and rachel and ellie all work together so seamlessly because they have a past
1: they have a shorthand
0: and this cast right. uh i don't know if they had rehearsal time or what, but they do present themselves uh, as very lived in, immersive in it. So, and but it, uh, it, uh, uh, Kevin Steinfrost saw it on Broadway and he he loved it. And he told me, because yeah, I said, well, the rep had had a mixed reaction.
2: He was like, really? So I don't know,
0: some some things translate different.
2: What were you gonna say, Jeff? I was just going to say, if you were, you know, I know you're going to talk about this later, but the uh, if you want to really witness the highs and lows of collaboration, having worked together in the past, the uh, Beatles Get Back as a is uh, a prize prize example of uh, being yes. a you know fly on the wall with that. Yeah. That
1: is why I didn't see any movies this week. Lynn's like, did you see anything? I'm like, no, I watched eight hours of the
2: Beatles. Uh, do you hear Peter Jackson's uh, got an 18-hour director's cut in the can? Wow. <laughs> I, I watched I watched all eight hours of it in the course
1: of two days. Yeah,
0: well, I did I did have a, a early access to it like Carl did. I, I, you know, uh, Disney sent it to me, but I had all I chose the I have movies to review route yeah. and uh, there were a lot there were a lot of uh, films this week that I didn't think would um, take so much time, but for instance, House of Gucci is nearly three hours. Yeah.
2: Well, so, uh, Lynn, Lynn and Carl, I mean, I want to listen to Dee's thing, but uh, I'm going to have to escape soon after that, uh, too, because I got work to do, because I understand. We have, we you have, have an opening. up next week, you know.
0: Yeah. yeah you, have a you, have a, you have an opening. So uh, Dee. Tell us about what the result of your scavenger hunt. Did I contest.
4: win? <laughs> we won't announce it until December 1st. So you got to wait. We've, we've got all the answers compiled and we're going through what we're going to accept. And then whoever has the most, we're going to draw a name out of that. But it was exciting. We had uh, 21 entries in the contest and it's been a very interesting experience. I got my first, like Len, you were talking about the reaction at the rep. I got my first real verbal pushback at an event I did a week ago, and it really stuck in my craw, I guess is the way to say it, because it just kept lingering. A woman said, why would you put Ferguson in the book and send people there? And I was just like, because it's one of the very oldest cities in St. Louis County and has wonderful history and buildings, you know, in the farmer's market. And I really tried to handle it gently. And then a woman sitting next to me that was in the organization with this woman is like, thank you. She's like, I live in Ferguson and I go to the farmer's market and I go to, you know, Flow Valley Community College is there. So, so that was something that I had waited to have happen. And it didn't happen to me till then. I've done a lot of events. Um, same thing with Old North. But I, it was, it was interesting because this was a crowd out, you know, in the county and, and demographic was high age. So, um, um,
0: well, well, when I worked at Umzo, we used to go to downtown Ferguson for lunch sometimes because it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful downtown. And, uh, I'm not sure where the baker Leah, uh, is the famous. Yeah. She won, she won the national baking contest on TV, but she is there. I mean, there are proud business owners and residents, longtime residents, and you can't view it in one lens at all.
4: So, so for people who haven't seen the book themselves, it is 17 neighborhoods and cities around the St. Louis metro area, and there are at least 20 clues, which is the detail which is an enlarged part of a photo of a building because I didn't know what that was when I started this project and a little drawing and then my clue, my little rhyming clue. So like in Ferguson, I a friend of mine used, goes to Paul's to get prime stay because his prime B is less than or equal to the price per pound of Costco. And it's a great cut and it gets it off of local farms within hundred miles. So I put Paul's market in there because when they opened the new building, the customers actually helped them carry the meat from the original building behind them to put it in the meat coolers in the building that they're in now. <laughs> and when you walk into That's Paul's great. market, it is so awesome. So I go up there, I love, like I said, their lamb chops. I get my husband his sirloin and we get ribeyes. But anyway, um, I went to La Mancha coffee shop in Old North. I did a video with her. So I've done a lot of live videos with STL Scavenger. So I'm hoping that even though the contest is over, because I had this fear, Carl, I had this total fear, it would just die. Because that's what really you know, made a lot of conversation. But I, I sold out of books. I had them in my, the trunk of my car. I had to go refill, because I had somebody buy four for Christmas you know, and personalized. Wow. And I went to Abigail's and uh, on Hampton because I was picking up the extra puzzle cards so I could use them. There's a puzzle card contest um, where you put it together. And she was selling them. And she even has all the Reedy press authors. She will have them inscribe it personally to you if you buy a book from her. She'll like, oh, nice. she's like, you know, I love- Oh, I love, you know, nice. Right, that's to very go personal. In I've
0: been wanting to go in there. Carl and I both live in St. Louis Hills and we live off of Hampton. So, so go to my
4: Instagram feed for scavenger and for Estelle tour girl. And you'll see, I posted my little Merry Christmas flag I got from her that has the truck on it. That's out in front of our house and office. Cause it's a two family, but Abigail, well, it also
0: has Illinois because uh, it has Alton Edwardsville and Belleville.
4: Belle Vegas made it. Yes. And Alton and Edwardsville. And I've learned so much, you know, and, and I hope other people do like Edwardsville, why is Ed- Edwardsville like, so have so much power? Well, The Land Bureau Management Office was there, like in the late 1700s. I can't think of his name, but the the guy was the guy who granted land to everybody. So you had to come to Edwardsville. Well, for instance,
0: Cahokia, which also has a a misunderstood reputation, let's put it like that.
4: Agree.
3: I Um, agree.
0: Misunderstood reputation. Their courthouse is where Mary Weather Lewis mailed letters to President Thomas Jefferson
4: very good yeah because yeah. <laughs> i, I, I want to lynn i want to say that you paid me the highest compliment i've ever had when you wrote your article about me when you wrote the opening line you said you can talk to dia hoover for less than five minutes and know that she is a local tourism bureau oh yeah that touched my heart I was like
0: well thank one. you but it's it's true um the book i highly recommend to keep in your car and just have it as a destination I never made it through the the contest pr- part of it, like Carl did. Uh, but no, I didn't.
1: I didn't. I didn't do it. I was how just far, did you, how far did you get? How far did you get? I my wife and I got through four of them.
4: What is what did your kids think?
1: You- um, she does not. She's a senior in high school. She's yes. not going to hang out with us unless she's forced to.
4: Because my, the woman who babysat me, who grew I grew up in Vandalia, Missouri. That's why Rachel and I connected on that, but she lives over in Glen Carbon and they went out with their teenage kids and sent me selfies of them doing, of doing the scavenger hunt. So I thought, well, that's really good. Cause exactly what you're saying, right? How do you get your teenager to, to hang with you? So I think, and then little kiddos really love it, you know, cause they can get on their phone and help with the GPS and search the keywords because my hope was you could even do this if you weren't here like i have a friend i grew up with who lives in in colorado and he's confined to a wheelchair but he bought a book and he's doing it using google earth and using the blue words and everything so that's i hope that i hope that works for some people
0: well it opened up a whole new world to me because um, she uses a lot of architecture in the photos a lot of architecture that you have to look up to see and uh you know, how many times have we all been in on the hill? I mean, a zillion times. and uh, but this is a different look. And did so I want to walk around. I want to walk around and look up and and do it that way because you know, instead of just running in the stores and the restaurants or trying to find a parking spot that doesn't have the tricolored fire hydrant.
4: So did you and Carl find the Mary? The statue of the Virgin Mary on top of the building?
0: No, not I yet. I did not.
4: Okay, I will reveal it to you because it's a great story. So I call Monsignor Bombardier. I'm like, look, you know, I'm not Catholic. I'm doing this book. I'm like, I really want to put Mary over Vitali's bakery in the book, but is that going to be sacrilegious? And he starts laughing. He's like, no. He goes, when Gracie was redoing that section of the bakery, I had all the statuary from Aldo Della Croce when he passed away. So all of the statuary you see around the hill, uh, Aldo's. Shop put it out. So, like, his niece is the captain of my bochi team at the club. So he said, "I had this whole garage full at the back of parish." And he said, "Do you want Mary?" <laughs> so they put Mary on top of Italia's. It's facing the Italia America Bochi Club, and they light her up. So she's lit up right now. And he did a blessing, and that's why there's Mary on the top of the bakery. I would have I, never known that story if I wouldn't have written this. book. I
1: wouldn't I said, have known that either.
4: No, that's
0: awesome. And the uh, Palazzo. I want to go. Yeah, because yeah, now it's open because, you know, the pandemic did stop us for a while to do things.
1: They just had a chess tournament there. Yes,
4: Carl. I was going to and Charlie Danny, and Joe Scottie were out there holding up quiet signs because I had a private tour of my car and I rolled out I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, it's quiet. They're playing chess.
1: Yes.
0: Well, how fun. Well, I am really excited because this week, uh, Joe and uh, Rachel will kick off what I call, well, it is a very busy theater season because yeah. in St. Louis, we have like six productions opening in the next two weeks. Yeah. So, I but will spread the you, word.
4: I will spread good, the word on you. this because I got a lot of theater plans. I'll get some, and I'm going to try to be there. I'm, I'm excited about it.
0: Thank you. But if you if you like original voices and uh, just love things, I love things about showbiz, so I'll, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that'll be really fun to see. You both. Well, Rachel, I know you won't be on stage.
2: She'll but... be there. <laughs> She'll Thank be you there. for having us, Lynn, and I appreciate it. And I wish I could stay around because uh, I'm sure with with uh, with Carl, I could speak for about four or five hours about Get Back. So oh, oh yeah, of- oh, we'll, have to, so we'll have good. to
1: we'll
0: have to. Yeah, we'll have to have you on um, at another time because Joe is such a Beatles fan and that was in your play about james bond and the cardinals
2: now playing on third yes, base it was. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. thank you joe thank you carl thank you lynn nice to meet you thank you have a one, a
0: break thank a you. leg break thank a leg and you. have a wonderful holiday season
3: thank you so i'm gonna go check on the two-year-old so but i really uh, appreciate the opportunity
0: remember <laughs> give, to, uh, to give rose just give rose a hug from all of us
3: i will
4: they-
0: thank you
1: <laughs> midnightcompany.com yes thanks you're welcome yes
0: um rachel one time did a one-woman show about uh, rose from the titanic yeah, yeah yes
3: and i was actually pregnant with rose when i did that show. <laughs> so but she's actually named after rose from the golden girls
1: so oh nice <laughs> thank you for being a friend Yeah, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Thanks to all of you. Bye for now. Nice to meet you again. Bye. All right, so, Lynn, what else? talk? Let's talk about House of Gucci because everyone says she's great, the movie's not.
4: And it's been getting panned. I saw the reviews on it, so tell me what you think.
0: Well, I actually loved it because I think I went in thinking, oh, this will be good, and I had fun, but you got to remember, it's set in the 80s and the 90s. And that was when we were all hooked on this nighttime soap opera dynasty. So it's very uh, trashy, soapy, pulpy like that. It has, I consider it uh, in modern terms, uh, like a companion piece to succession, but also with less cussing. And then also the godfather with less blood. Now, um, I went to the theater to see it because I missed the press screening and I had fun in the theater watching it. A lot of Lady Gaga fans, Mm -hmm. Uh, but um, I can see how some people like uh, my young reviewer for our poplifestl.com website, Alex McPherson, gave it a C and I gave it an A. Probably should have given it an a minus but i was in writing it so fast because of deadlines so um lady gaga is as built; you cannot take your eyes off of her this is the true story of the downfall of the gucci family empire and an outsider uh to um his the the one of the the gucci founder was Gucci o Gucci who uh, founded it, his cows in Tuscany, gave the leather and he started, and his two sons run, ran the company back then. Aldo played by Al Pacino who's in great Al Pacino form and uh, just having fun with it really. And, you know, he's not yelling like in his other works, but he's having fun with this part. And then Jeremy Irons is the snobbier brother, Adolfo, who is the father of Adam Driver's character, Maurizio. When we meet Maurizio, he's an awkward law student who doesn't want to be involved in the business. He uh, meets Lady Gaga, who's playing Patrizia Reggiani. And uh, she she is an accountant for her dad's trucking business. And she looks like a million damn dollars. And uh, she is at this disco party at this mansion with a friend. And she runs into the Gucci guy. And as soon as she hears his name, well, you know, she is captivated. And he is captivated because she's so beautiful and lively. And obviously, they. Fall in love, and the father explains what a gold digger is to him, but he (laughs) won't. uh, He won't have any of it, and uh, the father promptly disowns him. So he works at her dad's trucking company, but then Al Pacino is so captivated. Character is so captivated. So so who
1: is uh, who's Jared Leto?
0: Um, That is uh, Al Pacino. Okay, Aldo. Al Pacino, Aldo's idiot son, Paulo. And, Al, and um, Al Pacino calls him an idiot through the whole movie. You're an idiot, but you're my idiot. So he favors Maurizio. Uh, Jared Leto is unrecognizable as this buffoon, Paulo, who fancied himself as a visionary designer and hated that nobody in the family took him seriously. So he is played through this. And Jared Leto adopts this sing-songy voice. And uh, really, I thought he did very fun uh, caricature of an idiot, uh, buffoon. And uh, one of the telling signs is the costumes in this movie are fantastic. And the designer puts him in one of those shiny, gaudy tracksuits from the 80s. And uh, so he's running around in that and the rest of the Gucci's are in you know, high fashion and he's running around in the shiny gaudy track suit. So it's hilarious. But he has, he's bald and then he has this stringy long hair and he just thinks he is the cat's meow and uh, everybody tells him he isn't. So he resents that. He uh, being an heir is entitled to that. So Adam Driver's character, Adam Driver is terrific in this because it's it's on the surface, it's not a showy part like the rest of them. The rest of them are all, you know, it's high drama. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's not camp, but it could go over that line. And Adam Driver's character is very serious, but before your very eyes, he turns into Michael Corleone hmm. to Jared Leto's Fredo. Oh. So it's just, and this is based, this is well documented. Their story is well documented. Yeah, it's only one person
1: book. is still alive. And uh, of the main characters, only one person is still alive. Right.
0: <laughs> uh, he was murdered, a hit was taken out on him by his estranged uh, ex wife patricia i don't know if their divorce was finalized but their marriage sours and it's very it's very interesting how little jabs and especially when he gives her a bloomingdale's gift card for christmas oh yes (laughs) you kind of you kind of know things are over (laughs) you know and so uh she hooks up with this tv psychic played deliciously by selma Hayek. okay and she's the one that gets the buffoons to do the hits and she's in on it. they were all convicted patricia pino was this uh tv psychic and the two guys that uh, did the hit so they were all convicted but uh it shows that the family just imploded they made horrible decisions they uh spent recklessly adam driver turns into this uh t- to this reckless spending guy well lady gaga's character has a lot to do with that but even more reckless spending and then they were viewed as stodgy when the fashion world was exploding remember that in the 80s everybody had the Mm -hmm. designer handbags and the designer perfumes and the and uh so they get tom ford at the time an unknown guy from texas to do a fashion line for them and tom ford becomes the toast of the town but the Gucci company is toast, and they are taken over by an investment group. And interesting, in real life, Salma Hayek is married to a billionaire, Pinot, a French billionaire, whose one of his companies now owns Gucci. Oh, my
4: God. Huh. I did not know that, that is that is good backstory. And I'm laughing about the designer name because I had explained to my husband, who's a big Billy Joel fan like I am, he didn't understand the line in big shot, everyone once saw you saw in your Halston your, your... dress and the people that you knew at Elaine's. And he didn't know what that was. I'm like, oh, Halston was a designer. I mean, oh, yeah. It was about the label and make like, I remember I had to spend my own money if I wanted to get Gloria Vanderbilt jeans, or I want to get Calvin Klein jeans. Any whatever the difference between Lee and Wrangler was, but those mom made me spend my own money because. Oh
0: yeah, well the, like the movie $20. starts in 1978, yeah. and and uh you know the 80s were an era of conspicuous consumption, and so that plays into this. I thought Ridley Scott did a good job. Now uh, I was fascinated because I liked that world. It was fun. It was fun to watch these rich people uh, and all their backstabbing revenge uh all these things going on and it really happened and so but i think the cast is fun to watch because they're just watchable and and lady gaga seriously after a star is born where she was a star is born she just has it she just has it she's just mesmerizing the whole time So I liked it. Maybe other people won't, but I think it's really fun escapism and it's not the highbrow art that people want, but I just thought it was
1: fun. All right, Lynn, let's talk about uh, the movie you went on the junket for.
0: Yes, The Power of the Dog is going to be on Netflix December 1st, but it's now at Plaza Frontenac. It didn't start here until a uh, Wednesday the 24th some other cities had it a week earlier so but you can see it on Netflix they have high hopes for it it's a tough sell I'll tell you that much because Benedict Cumberbatch who usually plays these noble characters that have great conflict he's the source of the conflict here and he plays a horrible man this is based on a book called uh, by Thomas Savage. And uh, it's set in 1925, Montana, wealthy ranch owners, Benedict Cumberbatch and his brother, Jesse Clemens. Jesse Clemens is kind, he's kind of portly. The uh, Benedict Cumberbatch uh, is very cruel, uh, calls him all sorts of names. Uh, talks about his weight all the time just demeans him he's the the brother that does all the ca- uh, like the accounting basically the running and then Benedict Cumberbatch is the one that's out there with the with the ranch hands and he's getting his hands dirty and he's the cowboy and he struts the first thing you notice is Benedict Cumberbatch's walk it's just so uh, just this force. And they're on, uh, they go to market and they stop at this restaurant that is uh, run by Kirsten Dunst, who's a widow, and her young uh, son, a teenage boy, tall, slender, rather effeminate, Cody Smith-McPhee plays him. Peter. Peter is an artist but he's also wanting to study medicine and go to school for it because his dad was a doctor. And so he has that aspect where he wants to be a, a doctor, but he's very artistic. And so a Benedict Cumberbatch is like a guy, is a bully. He's like a guy pulling uh, wings off of insects. He senses weakness with the boy and also wants to take Kirsten Dunst down a notch because she doesn't cater to his every whim. And he's very mean to them at this restaurant and they both cry. And Jesse Plemons' character, George, goes back to comfort her and uh, they wind up falling in love and he marries her and brings her and her son back to the ranch to live with Phil. And Phil, Is just beside himself because of these interlopers intruding upon his world where he is the king of the manor. And all of a sudden, though, he takes the boy under his wing. So you're thinking, uh oh, this is a setup. This is filled with menace. So you're always off guard the whole time until the end. And when they have the big, reveal at the end you have to go back through the movie and see that the clues were there all along so you piece it together but you immediately want to see it again it's one of those kind of movies but jane campion the uh filmed in new zealand and it it's beautiful uh uh, you know stand in for montana and it's at that age where the west is changing because 1925 like they have a car and and the horses are running around but you know they have a car they have indoor plumbing because they're rich right. and uh <laughs> it's it's very interesting character study the acting of course with those names kirsten Dunst, jesse Plemons. they're married in real life uh cody smith McPhee is the secret weapon here and i do think he will probably be nominated and it's a very quiet part but you know how those sometimes the quiet people or the you know the the uh interesting but benedict cumberbatch probably is too because it's such a change for him at this press conference the moderator asked everybody to go down the line and say what they had to learn to do this western and so cody mcphee had to learn how to ride uh jesse Plemens, who grew up in texas because friday night lights uh was his big break he um his dad's a cowboy and so he's an accomplished rider But he talked up and he's just like you think he's gonna be. He talked very deliberately about how he was given a plow horse to ride who wasn't used to people. So he had a little difficulty there. Kirsten Dunst had to learn how to play the piano. And then Benedict Cumberbatch uh, gets up to the mic and he says, I had to learn how to be an asshole. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) And that brought down the house. But Jane Campion talked about her process and uh, uh, just how uh, there's this, uh, the power of the dog is a weird title, but it's from the Bible. It's from a passage in Psalms. And uh, the part of the script has that in this rock formation, Benedict Cumberbatch sees a dog in this rock formation. And other people can't see it, but Peter sees it because he's got that artist in him. So anyway, she said, uh, she went out to uh, Montana to meet with the Savage family. And uh, they were talking about the city, but they said, but the rock formation, because he used it as a, they said, uh, it it isn't a dog. And she turned around, she saw the dog in the rocks and she said this is a sign from the author like okay you can do this you can make this movie so it's uh it's a very um interesting layered work with a lot of nuance so you got to give it time i'm not sure uh be the netflix format uh where people will just want this immediate you know reaction whereas this is one you ponder and afterwards like buffett said what did we just see and then we talked (laughs) about it and then the more we talked about it and then the next day when everybody was talking about it and we were doing then we all changed our minds like this is
1: brilliant all right well i'm looking forward to watching it now lynn i skipped come on come on should i have no
0: it's very gentle but it's different and if this is a, a new Walking Phoenix, a different shade of Walking Phoenix. This is his first role since he won the Oscar for Joker, which, as we know, was very dark. And he had played some very dark characters in recent years. Uh, uh, you were never really here. Uh, his performance in that I considered the best of, the, of that year. And uh, he's, he's been in some very dark things. Here, he plays an uncle. He is, and it's filmed in black and white and it's by Mike Mills, right? Who wrote and directed it. And he did the movie Beginners with that won Christopher Plummer, his Oscar. Yes. And uh, so it's, it's a very uh, interesting character study. And it takes place in, uh, he lives in New York. Walking Phoenix plays a radio journalist. And in the credits, they thanked Ira Glass. So think oh. about that. He plays a radio journalist that is on the road interviewing children, uh, school children, about their expectations of the future, their fears about the future and what uh, their view of what they think the future is going to be like. So he is going around recording them with a with a documentary crew. They go to Detroit, they go to New Orleans, uh, they go to LA, and his sister Gabby Hoffman lives in LA with her nine-year-old son Jesse, who is played by the incredible child actor Woody Norman. Uh, He is a Brit. You would never, I mean, you just can't even imagine that he's not an American kid, but he's been in a lot of British TV, but this is his first breakthrough role and it's it's incredible so he uh there uh, uh gabby hoffman's she plays viv her husband has mental health issues and he's played by scoot mcnary and so he has moved to san francisco he's uh with a symphony i'm not sure what he does but he has moved to san francisco but he's having issues and so she goes to be with him and walking phoenix takes his nephew back to new york and they bond and uh this is a bachelor who doesn't have a significant other who's never really been around kids and he learns what being around a kids like you know i mean and kids are work kids are work he finds out what that uh, entails but also the joys of hanging with the kid that has a completely different outlook on life and how he views the world and what's interesting all the all the cinematography in this they don't use the regular touristy track you know they use the more uh out, out of the way lived in areas which is interesting so it's kind of meandering but yet it does have a point and it just depends if you go with it you go with the flow it's in theaters now or you just think it's too slight the music is by two of the guys in the national the brothers aaron and bryce Dessner, and the music's fantastic and uh so it just depends what you're looking for but i enjoyed it as a slice of life as a different as a refreshing outlook on the dynamics of a family
1: we got a lot of family
0: dynamics
1: here yeah we do did, did you see anything else, Lynn? Did you see Bruised? I
0: saw Bruised and you can avoid uh, two hours of your life by skipping it on Netflix. It is Halle Berry uh, in her comeback and she directed it. And it's just, oh, just bad. <laughs> it's just awful. She plays a mixed martial arts fighter who's fallen out of grace and uh, she's uh, her, son that she gave up for adoption winds up on her doorstep and she tries to redeem herself it's one of those but it has every single cliche of any kind of sports movie any kind of down and out person everything is it's just like really really (laughs) the whole time you're just like oh my god it's a slog and these are not a sympathetic characters, except the kid, the kid, the poor little kid uh, is uh, she puts him through hell and back. So, but uh, he's played by Danny Boyd Jr. And he's, he's fine. But the rest of it is just, you know, it's all these, you know, she has this abusive alcoholic boyfriend and then her mother who is trying to be tough with her. She has pill popping issues and it's just,
1: sorry two hours of your life i have a question about
4: come on come on did you like that it was a black and white yes did that like keep you in the moment with them versus being all surrounded yeah i think it yeah
0: i think it narrows the focus we've got like four black and white movies this year because we have belfast and uh we have passing and this and there's something else i'm forgetting but um yeah i think it narrowed the focus It took the attention away from the landscape to the people.
1: Okay. So now let's uh, talk a little bit about Get Back. Did Did you watch any of it, Lynn?
0: I did not. I chose to finish The Humans instead of The Beatles when I got home last night.
1: So people, Beatles fans and The Beatles did not really care for the movie Let It Be because it was they, it was very painful for them to watch and it was very painful for them to you know relive
0: but, it was painful because uh, yoko's sitting right there the whole
1: time <laughs> uh, no one makes fun of yoko at all they don't talk they she's they love yoko in fact they all have wonderful things to say about yoko in the movie and everything's fine and no one says anything when uh, linda eastman shows up and brings her rambunctious little daughter uh heather who's running around the studio and. So Heather hears Yoko sing a song and Heather sings the same song. And Yoko's song, of course, is. And so Heather does the same thing because Heather's like two or three years old. So it's it's kind of funny. So they had all this film. Let it be is only an hour and a half. So they had much, much more, much more uh, footage. And Peter Jackson said, I'll do it. And he and Fran Walsh, who gets a special thank you, Go through everything and they got it done. And it is now eight hours on Disney Plus in three parts. The first part is uh, when they first start to go to the studio. Well, it's not a studio, it's a television studio. And then the first part ends when George Harrison leaves the band. The next three hours, part two, is of them. Jo- one of George's demands is we got to leave this television studio and go to a recording studio and bring in. Uh, billy preston so someone else can play piano that happens in part two and then part three is them setting up and the entirety of the stage performance on the roof of apple studios mm. so it is great and it is worth every minute if you're a beatles fan you'll love it
4: Should you I'm so to the apple studios concert first though and then go back and watch it i mean to me that would be the
1: no no you get you're watching everything that's leading up to it
4: I can't,
0: I can't wait to see it because I did, I've seen every documentary there is about the Beatles. And I did see, let it be in a triple feature at the varsity theater with yellow submarine. And uh, I'm not sure I've seen so many, uh, so many double features with hard days, night and help. I can't remember which one, but it was uh, yellow submarine, let it be. And I was just, I was just like, watching let it be just makes you so sad and yes. it's just it's not well, a fun is, they're experience. having fun
1: and they're happy and you know you what you realize about this is the fact that while they're working on let it be they released abbey road in before let it be and how many uh songs from abbey road that they're working on too while they're doing let it be
0: well, that was a very uh, and uh, Stephen Colbert was talking about this the other night because he he saw and he was telling John Batiste about the Billy Preston part and he was talking about the joy of uh, the collaboration as Joe mentioned and also their musicianship and they had such a long history they were like a family. Yes. So Peter Jackson took 57 hours of a material for this.
4: Wow, that's a lot. It's a lot of editing.
0: So it is on Disney Plus, which I'm, and they broke it on Christmas Day, Um, not Christmas Day, a Thanksgiving. So I was hoping families could watch it, you know, just like if you couldn't see trains, planes and automobiles, you could start the Disney thing. But uh, what else is going on? um, for the, uh, entertainment. Oh,
1: well, I Hawkeye's am going out. to, pardon. Also on Disney plus Hawkeye is out.
0: That's right. Um, have you watched it?
1: I watched the first two episodes. Yes.
0: Uh, is it worth getting into?
1: Yes.
4: Is it daredevil worth getting into?
1: Um, I never watched daredevil, so Ooh. I don't know.
4: Oh, Carl, <laughs> put that well, on the At list. the
1: time I didn't have Netflix. So, uh, when it was out so
4: amazing and it's also got the Keith Carradine I mean David
1: Carradine in it. well I I I've enjoyed I've enjoyed I Hawkeye so there. far it's it's Christmas related and really? um, ro- you will love Rogers the musical okay because they I they t- go to Rogers the musical on Broadway because they're in New York
0: oh I totally totally uh forgot my microphone Carl that's okay (laughs) so now I'm gonna be I'm gonna sound like I'm shouting from oh well
1: we have to wrap it up anyway
0: I know um I'm gonna talk about my favorite movie of all time on the waterfront uh the year I was born it came out won the oscar Mm -hmm. and uh it is one of the great cinematic experiences also in black and white and I will talk about this at the buter Branch Library Monday at 1.30 p.m. in their Monday matinee series. And I am very excited about that. And uh, we did present SLIP, uh, we presented our Joe Awards. I'm very proud of our Joe Williams Award uh, Documentary Committee because we selected a movie called We Are the Thousand. And uh, it's not available yet anywhere that I can see. I've been looking. But uh, on YouTube, you can go to this Rockin' 1000 and you they, can they, see- they've
1: been, they've been around for a long time. It, it, it was an internet story probably five, 10 years ago.
0: It is joyful. This documentary Man. is about Foo Fighters fans wanting the band to come to their little town in Italy. And uh, they created, they uh, got a thousand musicians to come to this racetrack with their, with their instruments with and their voices. And they coordinated doing Learn to Fly, my mm-hmm. favorite Foo Fighters song. And uh, they had uh, the joy of and the universal language of music. And then they made a plea to Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters to please come of, and they put it on uh, YouTube. It went viral. Uh, of course, Dave finds out about it. And responds in Italian. Yes. And uh, they um, do come over, but they invite them also to their concert in Walla Walla, Washington. And so it becomes this whole bonding, international bonding of musicians. And it's just the joy of these people playing and it has these talking all these people that like got back into music because of this, or I had some sort of problem. It's just, it just speaks to the transforming power of music and, and it's wonderful. And then at the end, it shows them doing, and I just blanked about the other song. Well,
1: so they, they, s- they, they do concerts every year now. Well, right. Up until like last year.
0: Right. It's a thing that they do, but it shows them rehearsing for the next song
1: right. at the end.
0: But we, we gave it our Joe Williams Award and we think that Joe would really like it. And I like oh, it because sure usually it. we do social justice issues, but mm-hmm. this is just this joyful. is just joyful. And Lazo uh, was the other committee's one and I don't know what that's about. But hey, I, uh, I do
1: want to say one more thing about Get Back. A lot of smoking. A lot of everyone is smoking the entire time, the entire eight hours, which means it, it's surprising that they have all not dropped dead of lung cancer. And, and, and George Harrison lost did. or their lost throats, yes. voice.
4: I mean, that's you know, that was the big thing when I was watching the documentary about um, the producer that had Whitney Houston, how she wouldn't quit smoking. Mm-hmm. Clive was like, you've got to quit smoking. But I oh,
1: mean, and even it's, though it's on Disney Plus, they did not censor any of the language. So wow. That, well, I grew good. up and
4: I grew up with smoking. My dad's entire family smoking in the house, smoking in the car, family dinners, there was just a cloud. So it's interesting that we don't live like that anymore. Cause I remember living like that. And it was,
0: mm-hmm.
4: we didn't well, know. Both, any better.
0: Well, both my parents died of lung cancer. So enough uh, said. And they were, it was smokers. that, that mad men era, you yeah. know, but we have, to, we have to wrap this up. Totally. We have
1: to wrap this up. Cause I okay. have things uh, I need to do. Uh,
0: yeah, um, i know it's you well can we can uh, talk to d for a long time but thank you d thank you carl uh carl uh you can uh, uh, tell us about polar express next week i went on yes. it two years ago and i highly recommend it it's, it's fun
1: it is very fun you can check out dia's stuff at stlscavenger.com you can check out rachel and joe's things at midnightcompany.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Carl the intern. And you can hear me on the Mark Cox show Monday through Friday and on KMOX on the great outdoor show on the weekends. And Lynn, where can we find you, dear?
0: I'm on all the socials. Uh, You can go to Rotten Tomatoes and put my name in and you'll see uh, movie reviews there. Uh, But I'm in the Webster Kirkwood Times. I'm on KTRS Radio. And my website is poplifestl.com where I not only write about film, but also local theater.
1: Excellent. Thank you for having me. Of course. Happy Thanksgiving to you.
0: Yes. Happy Thanksgiving and uh, enjoy the holidays.
4: I'm trying to write the rest of my Hannibal book. (laughs) No pressure.